I'm going to share a few thoughts around the theme today of how to connect with God. And so that's our topic for today. Uh, just down the bottom there uh, is my website, which you can't see. Uh, it's markconnor.com.au. Connor is here. So there's a little bit of information on there. I have a blog like Pastor Rob. And so you'll find some great articles on there. And also a new podcast of some teaching that you might find helpful. And also a schedule. I'm, I'm at Bayside once a month, but I'm often in other places. I was in Ballarat last weekend and in Roval the weekend before that and Glen Waverley, all those faraway places. And so I uh, appreciate your prayers as I'm in some other churches from time to time. And if you know anyone in those areas, you can always let them know uh, to drop in and say hello. And so let's talk today about connecting with God. I want us to read a couple of verses from John 15 onto our next slide. John 15 verses 1. Um, we might read this together. When I was a kid, we used to read in unison from the Bible. We had one translation in those days. Anyone remember that? So last century, isn't it? Uh, we used to read from one translation. Now we've got 101 translations. But uh, we've got it on the NIV up here. This is Jesus speaking. And so how about we read this in unison together? One, two, three. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. On to the next slide. Jesus goes on to say, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Uh, these are some of Jesus' final words to his disciples. He's already talked to them about the fact he's going to be leaving soon. And we know that he's going to die on a cross and rise again, which uh, millions of Christians around the world will celebrate next weekend. So he's already told them he's leaving, but he'll be coming back. They're remaining. And so he's giving them some words about keeping connected, about abiding, about staying or remaining in him. Uh, possibly Jesus is walking through a vineyard at this moment. He had this way of drawing analogies just from the world around him. We'll talk about a fisherman or a sheep and a shepherd. And so maybe they're walking through a vineyard. But in that culture, the vine and the vineyard were rich metaphors. In fact, in the Old Testament, Israel was called God's vine. And God wanted Israel to be fruitful. And so Jesus says, I am the vine. My father is the gardener, and if you're following me, then you are one of those branches. And he goes on to say, it's so vital that you keep connected to me. Have you ever seen a branch that's cut off? How many know those leaves and that fruit's going to die pretty quickly? But if the branch is connected, then there'll be a life and a fruitfulness flowing. And so there's a challenge here to those of us who follow Jesus to live an abundantly fruitful life. And uh, fruit is demonstrated in a number of ways. There's that inner fruit of the Spirit, which Paul picks up a little later in Galatians. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the big one, self-control. So there's this inner fruit of the Spirit's life. And then there's the outer fruit of us uh, being a blessing to our community, to our world, using our gifts, sharing our faith. And so Jesus wants you and I to have fruitful lives. And in this uh, particular teaching, there are four levels of fruitfulness. There's no fruit. There's some fruit. There's more fruit. 
and there's much fruit. Uh, who knows, maybe in that vineyard there were four baskets, and maybe the first one was empty, maybe the next one had a few grapes, and then the third one had some more grapes, and the fourth one was overflowing with grapes. So Jesus is saying to each one of us, I want you to be overflowing with fruit. And so that's a good challenge for us who are Christians here today. You know, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's a good thought for Sunday morning, isn't it? Would there be enough evidence? Would there be fruits uh, in my life to say, yeah, that person's connected to Jesus. Again, this is not about working for your salvation. I walked uh, in a vineyard just a few weeks ago at an emerald. Uh, a friend of mine has a vineyard there. And you'll never hear fr- a vineyard struggling to have fruit. You'll never hear the vine going, Argh. no, the fruit is just quietly, naturally producing itself because of the connection to the vine. So we're talking about fruit. We're not talking about striving to earn God's love or salvation. It's just that overflow of being connected to Jesus. And so a good challenge for us there today. Uh, a little application, a little sideline application is in this teaching. Jesus talks about pruning. How many know that's not a real exciting word? Pruning. And I'm not a gardener, but I understand that uh, there are trees and shrubs and uh, vines that unless they're pruned, they'll grow really straggly and lots of leaves, but not much fruit. In fact, in Cheltenham last night, I was talking to a uh, a rose gardener afterward named David, and he says uh, he prunes his roses once a year. How many think that's a good idea? Let's not do it all the time. Once a year in July, he prunes, prunes his roses and he cuts off all the old wood, the old stems, so that the new stems will produce dozens of beautiful roses. And so God doesn't prune us all the time, but there are seasons where everything's just kind of overgrown in our lives. We've got a lot of stuff happening, and sometimes there's this pruning, this cutting back can be a bit painful, but the goal is instead of having a lot of average fruit, we'll have some quality fruit in our life. It's interesting if you study society trends, there's a real emphasis today on things like minimalism. Anyone heard of minimalism? Just go to Dr. Google and type in minimalism, and people are talking about, could less be more? We live in a culture that says you need more, 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 more. Come on, many of us have got double garages, and we've got so much stuff we can't fit in our car in our garage. Just look straight ahead if that's you. And minimalism is saying, do you need all this stuff, or could you be happier with more? Anyone heard of Marie Kondo? A petite little Japanese lady who's made a career out of helping people tidy up their homes. Uh, She's amazing. And she doesn't tell people what to do. She just comes into their home and she says, okay, let's get all the clothes, all the clothes, every room. Let's pile them up on the floor. It's amazing when you put them all on the floor how many clothes you've got. And then she says, take every item, hold it in your hand and say, does this spark joy? It's a good question. If it sparks joy, keep it. If it doesn't, if it used to spark joy but it doesn't now, maybe it could spark joy for somebody else. Give it away. And so she does this for every area of the house, all your books, all of your ornaments. And in the end, she's empowering people to prune all the excess down to those few things that actually bring joy to your life. I think there's a principle there. Uh, God's at work in all of the world. And so, I don't know, maybe for you, this is a little sideline message today. Sometimes we're doing so many things. We've got so much stuff happening that the quality of our lives is diminished because we're trying to do too many things. 
And so maybe for you, there's a season of pruning or trimming back. Uh, maybe that's an application from today's teaching for you. And then thirdly, an insight. So there's a challenge to fruitfulness. There's an application of the power of pruning. And now I want to share an insight. Jesus says the key to fruitfulness is you abiding or remaining in me. Uh, my thought today is, how do we do that practically? How do we abide? How do we connect? Later on, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so that's one way that we keep connected to Jesus. But I want to suggest to you today that we all have different ways that we connect with God. I shared this message with the Bayside leaders about five years ago. So if you were there, this will be a review for you. But I just felt it would be um, something helpful for the whole church this morning. Uh, you know, I'm a preacher's kid, as you know, and I, I grew up in church. In fact, when I was a kid, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Sunday night, three times a Sunday. Some of you think church is a little long. I, I, I did three meetings every Sunday. Now you know why I'm so holy. And I heard a lot of sermons and a lot of people get up and tell me how to be close to God. I heard some people say, you know, if you want to be a really good Christian, you've got to get up early in the morning. You've got to be an early riser. And they'd preach from the Psalms that says, early in the morning, I will rise up and seek you. And so, yeah, early in the morning, there's a few early risers. But there's others of us that say, if God wanted me to see the sunrise, he would have scheduled a little later in the day. And then I heard other sermons that say, no, 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 it's the night hours. And they'd preach from a different psalm that says, at midnight, I will rise and give praise to God. Come on, where's all the midnight people here? There's always a few night hours in every room. So someone's saying it's early morning before the sun rises. Others are saying, no, no, it's midnight. Uh, yeah, there's always people that are going late. Others would say, you've got to fast. Fast food, not fast food, but fast food, you know, and go without some food and discipline and say no to your sensual appetites and in disciplining yourself and fasting, you'll feel connected to God. Uh, other people preached and said, you've got to memorize the Bible, not the whole Bible, but parts of the Bible and you get God's word in your mind and that'll make you close to God. I remember one Pentecostal preacher preaching a sermon in our church saying, if you don't speak in tongues for at least an hour every day, you'll never be a strong Christian. Hour every day. And so what I've observed is that people often take what works for them and they project it on other people. And then other people like you and I try those things and sometimes they really work, other times they don't. And we can end up believing the lie that maybe being close to God is only for a few special people. I want to suggest to you in our time together today that maybe just as you're unique in your fingerprint, in your personality, in your spiritual gifts, in your love languages, in your journey of faith, just as you're different than everyone else in this room, could it be possible that the way you connect with God is unique to you. Maybe you're wired in a unique way to connect with God. And so what I want to do today is look at a variety of ways that people feel close to God. And as I describe these, it's not an exhaustive list. It's just a representative list. I want you to listen to my descriptions and ask yourself, is that me? And some of these things you'll be going, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like me. Others you'll be going, that's definitely not me. 
What I'm trying to do is get you to reflect on your life and ask yourself, when have I felt closest to God? When have I felt most connected to Jesus? I want you to reflect on that so we can gain some insight for building that into your life going forward. So let me go through some of these styles with you. Here we go. The first style is something we're going to call the contemplative style. The contemplative style. If this is your style, then you probably love getting out in nature, uh, out in creation, getting up in the mountains or walking down by the beach or going to the botanical gardens. For you, environment's really important. And if you're in the city and there's honking horns and blaring music and loud voices, it's just all a bit of a cacophony of sound. And, and when you get away from that, you feel closer to God. If this is your style, you don't like to be busy all the time. You don't like noise. Um, you listen for the small, still voice. You like being silent. You might like reflecting or meditating. You probably enjoy being alone. If you've got a day to yourself, you're in heaven. Like, that's really, really good. Now, as I'm describing this, some of you are going, yes, that's me. Others of you are going, no, that's not me. Uh, for people with this style... Others without this style can look at them and think their head is kind of in the clouds, like they're in another world. They're marching to a different drumbeat. They're just a little bit out of sync with the rest of the world. Yet, did you know that some of the great authors, the great songwriters of history were contemplators? Uh, anyone read the book of Revelation? That's a pretty amazing book, isn't it? You know, John wrote that when he was on an island all by himself, an island called Patmos. And in that solitude, in that contemplation, it's amazing visions, revelations from God. And so maybe you're a contemplative. Maybe that's the way you're wired to connect. A second style, very different, is something called the intellectual style. This is people whose mind needs to be challenged for them to really feel close, close to God. They love studying God's Word. They love mentally stimulating material. Uh, if a preacher gets up here and just tells stories and jokes, they're going, where's the meat? Where's the meat? They're wanting some theology. They're wanting some substance, not just froth and bubble. Uh, if this is your style, you like to get your head around the nature of God, the mystery of God, the plan of redemption, and how God works. And so your mind is a big part of your faith. Uh, Romans 12 verse 1, Paul says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and not the removal of your mind, the renewing of your mind. And so, so for some of you, uh, you like to get your head around God. And in thinking about God, there's a, there's a connection. Uh, think of Martin Luther. He was reading the book of Romans, and he came across that phrase, the just will live by faith. He was in a church world that at that, that time was all about penance and earning salvation and absolving guilt by doing good works. And he reads this line, the just will live by faith. And those words jump off the page and they hit his mind and then his spirit in a fire ignites and a reformation starts. Uh, if this is your style, you've probably heard of C.S. Lewis. You've probably heard of Zach, uh, Ravi Zacharias and Josh McDowell and John Lennox and maybe even N.T. Wright, great New Testament scholar. If those names didn't mean anything to you, don't even worry about it. 
But if this is your style, you like to think. Apologetics, which is not about making an apology. Uh, apologetics is about giving a reason for your faith. Uh, and so some of you, th this, this is your style. This is the way you're wired. Others of you are going, no, no, no. <laughs> That's all a bit, a bit freaky, a bit heady for you. Again, we're just wanting you to discover how you've been created. Number three, the third style we want to talk about today is the serving style. If this is your style, when you're helping others, when you're using your gifts, when you're being an instrument in God's hands, there's this energy, there's this flow, there's this life that you feel God more than when you're sitting around doing nothing. Anyone heard the, anyone seen the movie Chariots of Fire? Kind of a classic movie, yeah. Uh, Eric Liddell is this Olympic runner, and the story is built around his life. And people were kind of pressuring him to be a missionary, and he's grappling with, do I be a missionary? Or do I do I be an athlete? He ends up running in the Olympics, and he makes this amazing statement in the movie. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. It's awesome. What's he saying? He's saying, when I do what I'm good at, what I'm gifted at, there's this joy. How many know the opposite is true? When you do what you're not good at, there's not a lot of joy for you or anybody else around you. <laughs> and so for some of us, it's finding that sweet spot, that zone where you go, you know what? When I do this, there's just, there's a life there and I feel connected to God. Maybe it's just Doing something you love to do, like surfing or riding a motorbike. I said that for Andrew up the front here today. Just certain things that you do that you love, and it's like God seems so close. If this is your style, then you, you probably live at pretty high speed. People with a serving style are doers, not thinkers. They're just action-orientated people. These are the people that are trying to change society before Easter. You know what I mean? This is the John Wesley, the George, George Whitfield, the William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. These are high-powered, action-orientated, going for it. But when they're serving, they pray more. They feel God more than when they're just sitting contemplating the meaning of the universe. So maybe you're an action-orientated, serving person, and that's when God seems closest for you. All of you would have heard of Mother Teresa. She won a lot of awards and spoke to crowds of thousands of people. Near the end of her life, she made this amazing statement. She says, when I'm holding a dying child on the streets of Calcutta, I feel most alive in Christ. What an amazing statement. It's not the award. It's not the crowd. When I'm helping a suffering human being, Jesus seems close to me more than at other times. Serving star. Maybe that's your way of connecting. Let's look at a couple more. Number four is a relational style. If this is your style, isolation doesn't work. Getting up and praying by yourself, reading your Bible by yourself, serving alone is pretty hard work. But if you go to a prayer meeting or if you go to a connect group and you're studying the Bible together or if you're serving on a team like the worship team today or children's ministry team, if you're doing stuff with other people, there's a, there's a, a dynamism, there's a, a sense of God's nearness more than when you're doing something alone. If this is your style, your favorite scripture is when two or three get together in my name, Jesus shows up. Well, is he not there other times? Yeah, he is. But something happens when you're kind of doing stuff with other people. Maybe you're the relational style. 
Uh, let's look at one more before we apply this to our lives. Number five is the charismatic style. If this is your style, you love the manifest presence of God. What do we mean by that? Theologically, God's with us all the time. That's called His omnipresence, everywhere present. The manifest presence of God is those moments where we awake to God being here. And so this is your style. You love worship. You love ministry time. You love prayer. If someone's getting healed, if there's a word for someone, then you're sensing the closeness of God. If you come to church, it's three slow songs, three fast songs, two slow songs, an offering, a sermon, we go home. Well, God didn't show up today. But if there was a prayer time or someone had a prophetic word, God turned up today. Come on, you know who you are. You're the charismatic style. You love spontaneity. The Spirit kind of moves wherever the Spirit wants to go. There's this unpredictable aspect to God. And so this is the way you're kind of wired to connect. And so there are five very common styles. As I said, there are more, but there are five very common ones. Contemplative, intellectual, serving, relational, charismatic. And so as we apply this to our lives, next slide, I want you to first of all identify which one of those is your primary abiding style. Not, not what's the one you'd like or what's the one you think you should have, but if you just kind of reflected on your experience with God so far, what's your kind of core style? Which one kind of pops up a little bit more than the others? Just accept it. Just go, hey, this is the way I am and it's okay to own that. Just out of interest, how many in the room, when I was talking about the contemplative style, you go, yeah, I think that's kind of like me. Where's all the contemplatives in the room? Wow, a lot of hands up, all the contemplatives. Just give them a little space after the meeting. <laughs> Don't talk really loud. Just be aware. A lot of contemplatives. How many really resonated with the intellectual style? Come on. Yeah, intellectual, your mind, thinking, theology, getting your head around reasons for faith. Okay, yeah, quite, quite, a, quite a few hands going up. If you have a theological question, ask these people. If you want to know why a good God allows suffering in the world, they've already figured it out. Just go and talk to them. Okay, who, who has the serving style? You just love to serve, help, volunteer. You're a doer. Here's all the serving people. If you want something done, give it to a busy person <laughs> right here. How many are more the relational style? You love doing stuff with other people, praying, prayer groups, serving. Okay, relational style. Give these people a hug right after the meeting. They're ready. They're ready for you. They're ready for you. How many are the charismatic style? Come on, Holy Spirit, prayer, ministry. I had a word for somebody. There's all the charismatics there. If you're not feeling well today, these are the people to pray for you. No one else. These people, because they've got faith to pray for you today. Now, did you notice we're all different? There were people from all five of those areas. A pretty even splattering. Who did not lift their hand up? Who has all five in perfect balance? Come on. There's always a few in every crowd. <laughs> Didn't really want to get caught. So just notice that we're all different. We're all different. And if you could just go, you know, this is the way I am. This is going to be one of the most freeing messages you've ever, ever heard. Because you know what? A lot of people spend time guilty about not being something they aren't. 
And so if you're one of those styles, just embrace it and quit trying to be something you're not. God doesn't make things by accident. If you're created that way, just celebrate how God created you to connect with Him. Amazingly guilt-free if you can just accept that. Then number two, this is not rocket science, number two is why not arrange your life around it? If you're looking back and going, these are the times I felt closest to God, well, why not now intentionally lean into making more room for that? If you're a contemplative, then don't fill your week with appointments, parties, and meetings. Have a few, but don't fill it with that. Make some time to go for that walk, to have that space, to have some time. By, make a three-hour appointment with yourself, and someone says, what are you doing? I'm busy. i got an appointment <laughs> with three people, me, myself, and I. <laughs> like, like, just go ahead and do that. If you're the intellectual style, go ahead and buy that book, even if you haven't read the last 10 books that you bought. Come on. Book addicts only understand, like me. Go ahead and buy that book. Get enrolled in that extra theological class. Get that podcast going of Ravi Zacharias' answers to the tough question. Just, it's okay. Celebrate that. If you're the serving star, uh, guess what? You can volunteer for two ministries. Is that right? Can they volunteer? Is, is it, yeah, you can volunteer for two ministries. If you're the relational star, can, can you be in two connect groups? As, even more, even more, Jimmy said. If you're the relational star, we'll just do that. If you're the charismatic star, come on, be at every prayer meeting. Uh, play those worship CDs. You hear what I'm saying? Just, just own it and shape your life around that so that you have an increasing sense of being connected to God. Number three, accept others who are different. You're probably sitting next to someone who's different. If you're married, you're probably married different. And different is not wrong. Different is not wrong. I, I spoke this a couple of months ago, and a woman came up to me after church. She says, that was so good today. I'm a charismatic, and I'm married to a man who's a contemplative, and I've always been annoyed that he just sits there and does nothing. <laughs> and now I realize it's okay. And I said, that's exactly right. You be who you are, but then let other people be who they are and don't project on them that they need to be like you. Just give them permission, room to celebrate the unique way that they're connected. This can really help in a marriage if you've got housemates or you're in a connect group together just to realize we're all different. Be who you are, accept others who may be different than you. Now we could stop here and go home, but let me just add number four. Learn other ways of connecting with God. So you've got a primary way. You've got a main kind of core connecting style, but supplement that with learning some ways that may be a little less familiar for you, that may even be a little uncomfortable. How many know Jesus had all five of these in perfect balance? Did you know Jesus was a contemplative? I think sometimes we read the gospel, we think Jesus is this 24-7 ministry machine, praying, preaching, prophesying, casting out demons, healing, going, 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 going. But if you'll just slow down and read the verses between the miracles, you'll come across narrative descriptions like this. 
after Jesus dismissed the crowd. It's a good line, isn't it? Okay, folks, good night. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye. No, 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 not now, but, you know. After Jesus dismissed the crowd, he went up to the mountainside where he was alone. It's not an infrequent thing. In fact, Jesus regularly went to the mountainside and to the water. He loved the hills. There's something about getting up above everything, the perspective you get. And he loved the water. There's even scientific studies done today on the impact of water on our psyche. Jesus loved the mountains and the water. In fact, I'd suggest they were his home base. And he came out from there to minister, and then he went back home. He was a contemplator. He spent 40 days alone before he began his ministry. 40 days. Secondly, Jesus was pretty intellectual, wasn't he? He was the word in human form. I mean, he'll mess with your mind. We're still trying to figure out (laughs) all the nuances of his amazing revelation. Jesus was the word in human form. Jesus was a servant. I mean, he took up the towel. He taught people to serve. Jesus was relational. He did life in community. And Jesus was full of the Spirit. So he modeled all five of these. And so although we'll have a main leaning, a main style, learn some other styles. Every one of these styles pushed to an extreme has a weakness. If all you do is contemplate, you'll end up in a monastery. <laughs> where, where did monasteries come from? People who just wanted to contemplate all, time, all the time and say goodbye to the big bad world. Intellectuals, God bless you, but there are things about God you will never understand with your mind. There's a mystery to this God that we serve. And sometimes there are feelings and subjective emotions you can't fully explain. If you're a serving style, that's great. The danger is you'll become a Mary who was so busy doing the work of the Lord that she neglected the Lord of the work. She got anxious serving the Lord. And sometimes serving people just need to stop and contemplate and just be. If you're the relational style, that's great, but we can become a bit codependent on people. If you're the charismatic style, that's great, but here's a tip for you. There'll be some mornings you get up and you won't feel anything. And if you build your life on feelings, you'll be a yo-yo Christian because the feelings come and go. We've got to build our life on truth because when you get up in the morning, whether you feel God or not, He's there. He's there. That's the truth. That's the reality. So each one of these styles, to an extreme, have a weakness. And so whatever your style is, lean into that, but also learn to develop some of these other styles. I've found there's different seasons in our journey where we kind of go one style a little bit more dominant and then different seasons where we go the other. I'm probably, I love all the styles. I think for me, my default is the contemplative because I find if I'm busy and stressed, for me, it's solitude and quietness and stillness that helps me refuel, reconnect. And I love to grasp with truth. I love to serve. I love relationships and people. I love the Holy Spirit. I'll often come back to that contemplative space. And so there's different seasons and different times, different needs that we may have. One final thought is to consider the implications for church life. I've observed that many churches become a reflection of the abiding style of their leader. And so if you've got a contemplative leader, well, of course, no one turns up. Everyone's out contemplating. (laughs) If you've got a intellectual style leader who's a a teacher every meeting will have handout notes with (laughs) fill-ins and it's all teaching 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 maybe you've 
heard of a church like that. If you've got a serving style church, it's busy, climb the next hill, cause, serve, change the world. That's really great, but sometimes you have a bit of burnout on the other end. And the contemporary church machine can kind of spit people out because we're so busy saving the world. We don't rest. We don't reflect. We don't look after ourselves. Uh, If you've got the relational style church, it's barbecue every weekend. (laughs) Food. If you're American, it's potluck. If you're Asian, it's yamcha. It's all about the food and the fun. And if you're the charismatic style church, it's clear the chairs. Let's pray for people every meeting. Every meeting. Come on. Come on. Let's Let's do it. Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those, but if you only have one style, then you'll only have one expression of spiritual connection. One of the things I love about Bayside is the celebration of diversity. And what does it look like to have a church and a connect group where we appreciate contemplation? We appreciate grasping the depths of God's Word. We appreciate serving. We appreciate relating. We appreciate the Holy Spirit. All of these are celebrated. I think it creates a really healthy community. And so, as we wrap this up together today, I wonder if there was a particular point that God was tapping on your shoulder about today. Was it the challenge to fruitfulness? Was it the little application about pruning and maybe trimming back and downsizing and just saying no to a few things so that the few things you're saying yes to, you can do better at? Well, maybe for you today, it's just letting go of all the guilt and all the projections and all the expectations of being someone that you're not and just going, you know what? This is the way God made me, and it's okay to celebrate that, to lean into that, and then to appreciate those around you who may be different. So everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you.